Hi, I'm John Plesnick, and you are listening to Train the Church. This is a podcast produced by Faith Bible Church in Murrieta, California. Today, we're talking about discipleship to help clarify what training for ministry involves, what discipleship is, and what the difference is between training and discipleship. Seated around the table with me is Chris Mueller, the teaching pastor at Faith Bible Church. Well, it's great to be here, John. Very excited about talking about discipleship and training. And Nigel Shaler, who previously ran the Shepherd's Bible College in New Zealand and now serves as a pastor here at FBC. And glad to be a part of the team. Glad to have you too, brother. <laughs> One of the uh, things that unites us three together is that we all care about training men in the context of the local church. And as we talk to others about training men for ministry, that issue of discipleship and what it is comes up so often. So men, for instance, someone walks up and is talking about discipleship in the church. What do they typically mean? I think most times people would think of discipleship as something you do at Starbucks. You get together with a friend and maybe talk uh, through personal Christian life and uh, personal disciplines or maybe read a book or something like that, Mm one-to-one. Yeah, I think that's the idea of, you know, meeting at Denny's and uh, where everything tastes like scrambled eggs and going through a book together and talking about issues of spiritual life. It's like a modified counseling meeting or try to get my act together spiritually or hold each other accountable to not repeat certain sins in our lives. It it tends to have that kind of singular focus. It really is a friendship often, and that's not bad, uh, but it often lacks a sense of direction. So what y'all are saying is, Totally agree. It's, it goes towards accountability most of the time rather than intentionality with direction. Mm-hmm. So, but I think as you're saying that, you're saying discipleship should be something that has direction. You're not talking about training. You're saying that's a misunderstood definition of discipleship. I believe so. You know, we get that from the navigators and Campus Crusade, this idea of a one-on-one meeting to energize our spiritual lives and in some manner. It's really important. It's one of the means of grace. It's, it's not far off from what it's supposed to be, but it misses really the dynamic of the local church and what God actually intended this process to be. Yeah, wouldn't you say, I think that that is, it's not that what's ha- what you're describing is bad, but it's a component, it's an aspect of a larger picture of what discipleship yeah, is. Some people say they're in discipleship. What they really mean is they're just fellowshipping with other Christians or which maybe just amazing. one Christian, Yeah, yeah. which is good, like Chris says. But if we wanted to give discipleship a definition, Chris, you've got an awesome definition. Well, one of the trends today is actually to actually view even the pulpit itself as discipleship. And there is an element of discipleship in the preaching of God's word, but it's not necessarily the what the Lord intended for discipleship. So discipleship itself is intentional relationships for the purpose of growth in Christ, either to come to Christ or become like Christ within the context of the local church. Intentional relationships, intentional for the purpose of growth. And it is to have you become like Christ, even in the Great Commission itself. It says to go... It says to baptize, and it says to teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. So it's becoming like Christ in every aspect of our lives, and really it's energized by the local church itself. It's much broader than a one-on-one meeting. So if somebody was to come up to you and say, hey, I want to be discipled, how are you going to help them understand what that looks like? 
well, first I'm going to tell them, well, I've got some limitations in my ability to <laughs> disciple you. I mean, I, I'll try my best to be intentional and and uh, invest in, in someone, but I'm not the perfect discipler. I know that much. Mm-hmm. So when you say intentional relationships, yeah. it's the emphasis on the plural. Correct. Correct? Correct. And it's actually to have you become like Christ. So who can make you like Christ? Well, ultimately, we're all a part of that, but it's Christ who actually makes you like Christ. No, it's, the, it's the preacher. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Christ. <laughs> and he makes you through his word and through all the means of grace to be like Christ. And so how does that work? Well, again, the actual term discipleship gives us a clue because it's loaded in the Gospels. It's filled in the beginning of the book of Acts. It disappears after Acts 21. And what that means is, is that the local church now, the body of Christ, has, in a sense, taken over the role of discipleship. So it's Christ who made disciples, and then it was his apostles who continued in that process, and as they died from the scene, it's actually the local church. So it's Christ physically made disciples, now the body of Christ physically makes disciples. So we're a part of a larger process in making you like Christ, but it's the intentionality of it. And that command that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28 is to the end of the age. And so we're not there yet. And so we basically are a part of that process of making disciples. And then that intentional relationships is that it's a multiplicity of people. It can be one-on-one, a group of men, a group of women, a group of couples together trying to invest into each other to become like Christ, but recognizing that the goal is is that every element of those people involved in each other's lives is trying to give them a fuller picture of who Christ is. So we're investing in this total process, but what we miss today in the church is the intentionality of it. We miss the sense that people, men, women, guys, gals, are actually saying, I'm doing this so that we will all become more like Christ, and we're doing it in the context of relationship. So what we need more of is young men going to older men saying, hey, can I disciple you? <laughs> really? Yes? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I'm that joking. could happen. That, that's, yeah. not, that's not true at all. Yeah. So what we need is people who want to be discipled. Correct. And to be asking for that, and for those who are willing to do so, the older men, the older women, to the younger woman for sure, uh, but for this to be a culture within the church, mm-hmm. and that's to right, be mm-hmm. a regular part of just how the church operates, body life. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've got to get it out of the the sense of a, a individualistic form, formula, and we have to move it into the context of the local church, where everyone has a commitment to the process of us becoming like Christ. There should be one-on-one relationships. There should be one-on-three relationships. There should be groups of men who are all mutually investing into each other and women investing to each other. But they should understand that they're all a part of this process. I, I like to describe it like spiritual gifts that are all little images of Christ, little pictures of Christ, the spiritually gifted by the Spirit of God so you can show off Christ in a unique way. So when you have the gift of serving, you, you actually demonstrate what Christ is like when he serves. So when all those different dimensions function together, we, we have a much stronger picture of Christ and a much more involvement in people's lives to become like Christ. Like the jigsaw, puzzle. We all have uh, protrusions and indentations, strengths and weaknesses. When we fit together, we give the world a picture of Christ, but we have to be intentional about it and pursuing that together so that we all become like Christ. 
it seems like if I was just to think about churches in general, you've got kind of three kinds of churches, right? You've got, well, there's the church that does nothing. So maybe that's the fourth kind. There's the church that has discipleship as a program, which tends to end up more like a Bible study or uh, just a, a gathering that's formal, that's focused on uh, what the Bible says without much relevance to life. Then you've got the church that does discipleship in the Starbucks sense, where it's individuals meeting together and just talking informally sometimes, but that is their only form of discipleship. And then there's what you're describing, which was much more of a um, holistic, all church involved with one another, you know, 2 Timothy 2, Titus 2, that type of relationship. That- I, I would even see another extreme example would be a church that formalizes this so much that it becomes an organized hierarchy of discipleship, mm. right? which would be dangerous, I think. Yeah, that's right. borderline so, cult, right? Yeah, you're talking about something that's very much just part of the culture and normal life of the church. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're... I'm going to exclude the the terrifying one you just mentioned. If you think about a church that is uh, all Starbucks all the time, how would you suggest to a pastor to help them begin to broaden the church's view of discipleship and to make something that's a little more holistic? I think that's a lot of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a, you have to teach obviously God's word on the issue of discipleship and lay a foundation for what God intended. And again, simply stated, you know, Christ made disciples, now the church makes disciples. Well, how does that manifest itself? It's not wrong that somebody would meet one-on-one at Starbucks to talk over spiritual issues. It can actually be very beneficial to someone's life. But the overall goal of the means of grace of becoming like Christ will require the involvement of multiplicity of people. There's some things working against this that they have to be mindful of. Um, and again, there's people's educational approach to their children or how they parent might isolate their children from the involvement of any other adults in their child's life. And at that point, they're somewhat violating actually the design of Christ for the local church, that we're being impacted by a multiplicity of people with all different kinds of giftedness because each parent does not have all the spiritual gifts. And so that sharing and multiplicity of people's involvement and the one anothering can work against this if there's too much isolation. Uh, There's other attitudes of people not wanting to be engaged with one another. They don't know how to maintain relationships with other people. They don't know how to deal with their own sinfulness. They don't know how to deal with the sinfulness of someone else. They don't know, understand, love covering a multitude of sins. When do I confront? When do I go to someone privately? Matthew 18. How does that all work? People have to be instructed on each how to have relationship. Once that begins to become much more pervasive in a church, then people are much more prone to make that investment into each other's lives, recognizing that none of us are perfect, that none of us have arrived, that we're all in this process of becoming like Christ, and therefore these relationships are all a part of that. And people become hopefully more learners, and so they're growing in the idea of, I can hear truth from any vehicle, and I want to learn from that. Because the issue is not the vehicle, the issue is it's truth. It's from Christ, and therefore I want to respond to it. And so it's a broader mentality that has to be taught, and the specificity of discipleship itself. There's a hard attitude that drives all of this, isn't yes. there? There's mm-hmm. a teachability, there's a humility, and I think that's got to be from 
both the disciple and the discipler. Yeah, and the the word disciple means learner. Yeah, it means that I'm here to learn, to be like Christ, to be a follower of Christ, to you know imitate Him, and I'm going to use in a sense or benefit from every single person to become that person, to become more like Christ, less like me. I just think, and and the humility that's required to have that kind of mechanism in place is essential. There has to be this this desire to say, I'm not I haven't arrived, I'm not like Christ yet. I need some help and I want people to invest in me. I want people to speak into my life and and I need them to do that. I need them to be honest with me. I need them to come and help me see my blind spots and uh, and point things out, encourage me when that's when that's uh, uh, needed as well and uh, and have them actually uh, come and be honest, and I want to be transparent with my responses to to what they tell me. Yeah, I, I think there's some things sometimes that work against that. There's a a natural sense of age and authority and the expectation of honor that sometimes even negates that involvement into mm-hmm. your life. I don't think this is age graded. I think that being a disciple and a learner is all the way up until you step through the door to heaven. Uh, it should occur in every aspect of a person's life. Um, it doesn't mean that an individual's not mature, not stable, not sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that we're always learners. We can always grow. There's always areas of our life that can come uh, under the authority of the Word of God, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And so, therefore, that kind of works against it. Sometimes there's positions, you know, the the senior pastor, the teaching pastor, you know, don't, don't touch him, don't, don't criticize him, don't correct him. And I think that environment sometimes works against an actual natural involvement in each other's lives. We have to be careful that we don't set up positions where elders can't be working and wrestling through personal issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean that there's a disqualified. It means that they're uh, a Christian who is actually trying to, in a sense, run from sin, flee from sin, and pursue Christ. And that element never goes away. It never goes away. And that somewhat is um, kind of distorted our view of discipleship itself. I love that because what you're talking about is cultivating a culture of transparency, humility in the context of the church. We've talked a lot on the how to get that within there. And there, is there anything practical you'd say, tangible steps you'd, you'd encourage a pastor to do? Uh, to create that that uh, heart and attitude. Oh, I think modeling is huge, uh, and and an honesty and a transparency. You know, so is just huge. freely sharing in his sermons. Yeah, I I, I think all there's... his weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to be careful because then all of a sudden the sermon becomes about you, and it's right, really about some the Lord. Preaching pastors have more weaknesses than others. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> uh, well, and okay, I'll take that. So, <laughs> but the the issue of. Uh, you know, making sure that modeling in the sense of just meeting with men, uh, mentoring them, walking through that process, uh, you know, working through issues themselves with them, uh, having uh, the willingness to learn from anybody in the congregation and having that be observed is really important. 
that people see that, that you're desirous to learn when people tell you new things that uh, you might not have seen and mm -hmm. uh, from the word or even in your own life that you take those seriously. And I'm not talking about the person who runs around being super critical and, you know, edgy all the time. I'm just talking about somebody who comes and shares a, a truth or something that they've applied in their own life and it convicts you that you respond to that that you say, I like that, you know, I want to, I want to embrace that and, and evaluate that in my own heart. So modeling with men, modeling discipleship is really important. Teaching again, the, the foundation of that, the pulpit is really what sets this standard as far as the truth being taught about the great commission and how it plays itself out within the context of the epistles with the older women training the younger in Titus 2, with the younger men submitting to the older men in, in 1 Peter 5, and, and really 1 Peter 5 just bathed in humility, clothing ourselves with humility. Well, that's that whole teachable spirit. So making sure that that's really instructed, encouraged, and then modeled as an example. The leadership, the more that they're involved, uh, obviously, in this process, the, the more it'll filter down to the church family to be accessible over everything. You know, the only thing our elders really don't talk freely with our people about is other people. We won't talk about individual well, issues. You mean by that the sins of other people? Because we'll greatly extol the strengths of somebody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. In, yeah. in other words, we're not never going to uh, cross that line of not confidentiality, but of just, uh, you know, hurting someone's reputation by talking. We, we just won't do that. But as far as any question that they would want to ask us, we want to be super free with it. And it creates a much more open environment, uh, an accessible environment, and a, an environment where we're all growing together. But I think and it takes some time to build to that point of trust where you, you have a relationship where you're encouraging someone, you're building some relational equity. And so that means when it comes to the time to speak about more difficult things or issues in their life, they, they trust you now. You've taken yeah. the time to invest and, um, and they, want, they want you to speak to those more difficult things because they've, they've been encouraged by you in the past. Well, mm -hmm. and when that environment actually does take off, you're able to actually address difficult issues in people's lives and they don't think they're a failure. Right. Because they understand that, oh, this is all what we do. This is yeah. who we are. This is what we're involved in. We're all fleeing sin. We're all pursuing Christ. We're all doing this. And so you're just pointing out one element, you know, and helping me with that. I remember when I talked to a guy who was very intimidating and told him, I said, you know, you don't need to be intimidating here. You don't need to communicate intimidation. You don't need to try to manipulate or control people through intimidation. And I laughed at him and he responded. And he knew that I loved him and trusted him and cared for him, and he stopped doing it. Uh, he's 6'8". He's very easily uh, intimidating other people. And so there's an element of just him guarding his own heart now and not doing that and just being a Christian who pursues Christ. But you can say some of those hard things when they know that you not only care about them, but that we're all in this process of growth together. I think it also hinges on how you respond when they come to you with things. I've had uh, just recently a conversation with a guy and he was uh, saying some shared some concerns he had about things that were happening in the church. And the fact that I wasn't defensive, that it wasn't even personal to me, but just as a leader in the church uh, that I listened and responded with grace and charity and um, encouragement towards him opened up a whole lot of other conversations and avenues to talk about life just because of responding with humility. Yeah, yeah. defensiveness and in personal insecurities mm -hmm. will kill discipleship. Mm -hmm. 
And as soon as you feel like you need to defend your position or keep up appearances for the sake of just keeping your position or your salary or whatever, if you're a paid staff, then that's going to kill discipleship too because now you don't have authenticity and you're not being real. And so you, you cannot go in that direction. You have to be humble and teachable and model discipleship for others to see. Yeah, mm. what's interesting too is I think that if there was one sin that the church should attack more vehemently than any other, it's pride. Mm-hmm. And insecurity is just another form of pride. And once you are after that, not a false sense of humility, but just really after, I know that I can be arrogant, I know that I can do things, and I know that I'm manifesting this in ways that I don't even see, if that becomes kind of the mantra, then you will respond well to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a culture like that has to be created and it takes time to develop. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're talking to a pastor who has a lot of programs, when you think about or when they think about and hear we need discipleship in our church, they tend to create another program to accomplish it. So what do you say to that guy? Good luck. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> good effort, you know, at least you're wanting the right kind of thing. Yeah. Often it's be, they, they, they resort to programs because they've never really experienced genuine discipleship mm. in the past. And so they don't, they've never tasted it. They don't know what it looks like. They're trying to get there, they're trying to achieve the right goal, but maybe the wrong way to do it. Um, Is there any hope for the guy who's never been discipled, who now wants to create that in his church? Well, maybe not independently. <laughs> like he, he, that was close to a no. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be, be difficult, <laughs> you know, because e- even someone listening to this podcast uh, gets a somewhat of, of a feel of what discipleship could be, but unless they see it in operation, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, I, I think that they can, over time, uh, if they are willing to cut back on their programs and do less of maybe what they're doing as a church and begin to start a aggressive process of trying to mentor men, uh, particularly the men and then the ladies in the process, giving them a vision for it and trying to create a culture for it and give an expectation that this is going to be a five-year process to try to develop a, a mentality of discipleship within the context of the church. They could start, but if they're doing all kinds of things and their church is massively busy and then they try to throw this in, it isn't going to work because there's just too much going on and people won't value it right away. They have to understand that it is one of the means of grace. It's not the only way that the Spirit of God obviously grows us to be like Christ, but it is one of the ways. And this intentional relationships is very important to develop, and it has to be proven over time. I think in our own case, uh, we spent two years, two and a half to three years, actually, working with men to develop this taste for it. The women tend to catch on a lot faster, and they catch up pretty quick, and they kind of gravitate toward friendships uh, instead of intentional relationships, so you kind of have to guide that as it goes through and, but over time, people begin to develop a mentality of, I understand, I fit in the body of Christ. I don't have all the answers to everything, but I can be engaged in relationship one-on-one and in small groups and in larger groups, women to women, men to men. 
uh, couples to couples and and see my own growth and also aid in the growth of other people even when I don't think I've got a lot to give but it takes a lot of time and a lot of planning to pull that off it, it is a close to a no because they've got to cut back and churches have a hard time cutting back on what they do. It seems like the way that a pastor who's never been disciple could create a culture of discipleship is somewhat similar to the way that a pastor who's not a strong evangelist could help his church grow in evangelism, right? which is finding somebody else who to really lead and spearhead that, to, to pray for and identify people who are already strong in that area and to elevate them and to extol them to others and to help his church understand the need for discipleship and then is in a sense entrust authority and responsibility uh, for that aspect of the church to this couple or these people who could begin to help create that. And he would, it would require a lot of humility, but maybe that he would, uh, begin to raise them up and to listen to them as they, uh, you know, help craft what that vision of discipleship should look like in the church. Yeah. I think underneath it all, too, and this is probably for another podcast, that they have to think about Christ. Everything that Christ said was perfect, but everything Christ did was perfect, too. And he invested into his men, and he lived with them. And so the idea of discipleship being a one-on-one -on -one meeting an hour a week at Denny's or Starbucks, is somewhat a misnomer of really the pattern that Christ set for us. It was life to life. He lived with his men in such a way that impacted them in, in the entire lifestyle of this, you know, uh, it was a, in a rabbinic tradition in how he did it with his disciples, but it was definitely influential in changing those men and transforming those men as they came to Christ in salvation and then using them to turn the world upside down. Uh, and so that element of spending more time with people, uh, traveling with them, eating with them, and, and having that direct investment into each other's lives through the course of life is also one of the things that it really rests underneath this whole process of discipleship. So when I say, you know, run to Christ or uh, be like Christ, I'm saying model what Christ modeled. I think, you know, lots of different kinds of people would be listening to this podcast, and some would be preachers. Uh, they need to understand that preaching a sermon on discipleship is not going to produce discipleship in the church. What about a series of sermons? A series will be helpful, <laughs> but again, they need to model this themselves. An evangelist, and that's another spiritual gift, right? Mm -hmm. Evangelism. Uh, they, they will go undertake their particular work in ministry but that's not necessarily going to produce discipleship either all of them bring their different uh, giftedness to the table and have some impact in the body in the end discipleship we're not talking about spiritual gifts when we talk about discipleship this is just the normal body life function of the one another's and and helping one another to become more like christ in a deliberate fashion this is something that has to be modeled and I don't think as a pastor that we could be thinking about how do we change an entire church today. What we need to do is think long term and maybe how can I be a better discipler with the one or two guys that are around me and just start there. So I know our focus really largely is on the context of training men for ministry. Mm. 
can you effectively train men in the setting of a local church without a church that does discipleship well? Probably not. Uh, there needs to be a sense of relationship for men to be gifted and developed and uh, mature enough to actually invest into other people. Uh, I mean, the, simply stated, you know, if you're training up a pastor teacher, uh, if he doesn't love people, doesn't know how to deal with people, he's not going to be a very good pastor teacher. Um, there needs to be a sense of relationship and investment into people and a care for people and a love for people for that to develop. And so there is underneath the course of um, the expectations of ministry is this element of discipleship. It's a part of who we are, hmm. intentionally working with one another to grow to be like Christ within the context of the church. And so there, the, that investment needs to be there. And a lot of men, sadly, are looking at it, and they've got to have a good pulpit. In fact, if you don't have a good pulpit, you've got nothing. And it's got to be God's Word that's taught, and if it's not, you've got nothing. So there has to be the foundation of a, a strong pulpit, but then with that comes an investment into leadership, an investment into people. I mean, with 2 Timothy 4, preach the word, you have 2 Timothy 2, train faithful men. And we've got to be a part of that process of investing. And that can't be done at a distance. It can't be done through lecture, merely that. And again, I go back to Nigel's comment. Yeah, I mean, they've got to have a series on discipleship, but that can't be the solution. You know, that's part of the solution. It's the beginning and the foundation of it, but then you've got to build on it by modeling it and then prioritizing it or programming it as a church and then trying to have it be pervasive in every ministry so that any ministry has a mentality that we're trying to invest into these people, grow up the next generation, invest into one another so that we all become like Christ in this process. Chris, you do a great job because you preach on this often, but not just that, you constantly bring to the congregation reminders, whether it's in announcements or just sidebar comments in sermons or just in general discussion, always talking about discipleship and investing in one another. That kind of reminder is super necessary because the congregation is often brought back to this realization that, hey, I, I need to be involved in in discipleship. Yeah, I, I'm super committed to preaching God's Word. And you're you're we, good at saying the same things over and over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> being boring is what you're saying, That's, so I, I, uh, I own that. But preaching God's Word is, is uh, vital to this whole process, but the element of ecclesiology, a, a real understanding of what you said earlier about the nature of the body and how the body functions and elders are functioning in a plurality, the body is in functioning in one heart, one mind with every gift functioning in a way, ministering to one another. And then layered in that to have these intentional relationships, again, on different means of grace. But that's what begins to mature people and stabilize people. Now, I've known men who've preached God's Word. The, 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 the church is, in a sense, solid under the doctrine of God's Word. But there's also, in the really, really healthy churches, been this element of mutual ministry and the spiritual gifts being manifested. And then even more mature and more stable and more influential, not only in that church, but also as that church spreads out around the world, 
is to be this process of training up men and discipling men and discipling women in this process of discipleship. Well, that's super helpful. Thank you, guys. I think uh, we need to wrap today. Uh, thanks for tuning in and listening today. Our next episode, we're going to dive a lot more into what it means to train men for ministry and the common misunderstandings people often have of ministry training. I hope you'll join us again. If you want to be notified of when the next episode drops, hit the subscribe button on your podcast player to automatically download future episodes. If you want to learn more about Faith Bible Church, you can visit us at www.faith-bible.net. If you want to learn more about the training center uh, that we run, you can go to www.tc-intl.org. Until then, keep investing into the church.